I'm still laughing about that whole, do your boobs ever just randomly ache? And you're like, what is it, girl? Is a storm coming? Little Timmy fell down a well? Yup. Uh, yeah, because there was like a two-week period where I was like, oh my God. I think we talked to her. I was like, my boobs hurt, and they feel like they're huge. I'm sorry. It's just been all of 2020. Also, it they're has. just jumping around now. They can't be constrained. They must be free. Let me go! <laughs> uh, oh, the editing. Yep. Are you recording now? I am. <laughs> Woo! Uh, we've been recording this whole bit ever since you're like, how does it sound? It's like, oh, well, God. we're going to see how this goes. Woo! Uh, Hello, listeners. Talking about our tits. <laughs> I mean, welcome to our realistic conversations. <laughs> You're not wrong. We do talk about our boobs a lot. That's because they're important. And they're there. I mean, what I'm else? Not if any not dude talk about them. or other person genuinely thinks that women do not talk about their boobs, that's wrong. We have them. They're just as interesting to us as they are to dudes. We just have a different relationship with them. Like, your balls stick to your thighs. Our boobs shut cabinets for us. <laughs> <laughs> also, stick to your ribs. Because... Yes! Ugh. Why don't you need underboob sweat? Uh, a lot of reasons, nature. I can think of a lot of reasons I don't need underboob sweat. I don't need my shirt to make a smiley face for me, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alrighty. Do you want to get into it? Yeah. Okay. This is Anastasia. And this is Lauren. You're listening to Wait to Panic, a podcast where two friends take turns trying to scare one another shitless. And this week, it's Lauren's turn. Woohoo! And it's really, I don't think it'll be that scary. I kind of just wanted to go for something weird this week. I like it. I I can use without some scary, given like all of the halloween stuff that i'm still getting over like yeah bring on the humor well and we're recording this the week ahead but this is going to come out right after the u.s presidential election so i'm preemptively giving myself a de-stressor in case i need to just go back and listen to it again oh my god i am not looking forward to this week at all yeah it's gonna be a rough one so fingers crossed for biden harris 2020 and also other fingers crossed and arms crossed and legs crossed and toes crossed and everything crossed so yeah yeah and if you don't like our political views that's unfortunate but we don't really care yeah that's how it is anywho that's how it is it is do you want to do happies Let's do happies. Okay. Do you have one prepared? I don't, but I'll do it on the fly, like I always do. Okay. I can go first then and give you a minute to think. Okay. So my happy this week is very simple. It's Blood Orange San Pellegrino and Sleeping In. <laughs> I second the Sleeping In. Right. Um, uh, oh. 
It was de- so we're recording this on November 1st. So it was daylight savings time and I woke up at 5:45 a.m. but what that meant was that I woke up at 6:45 a.m. which is sleeping in for me. That's fair. I woke yeah. up at like 9. Oh, that sounds great. And I I also just stayed in bed for quite some time after that. Yes. It was that, delightful. Isn't that the best feeling like knowing that you can just do nothing like you don't have to get up you can but you don't need to yeah I like with bed. the exception of puppy potty time yes puppy did have to go potty but it was nice because then we're going to tack on a third happy rory and i got to do a joint walk normally i'm still sleeping when he takes her out because Aww. i'm exhausted uh, yeah. on weekends i do the mornings on the weekdays he does mornings on the weekends but nice. got to go do a joint family walk this morning, which is delightful. Those are fun. Yeah. So what's your happy? I don't think I have shared this happy yet, and I'm still, like, we're still debating a name. But we rescued a kitten. Kitty! And I've been bombarding Lauren with kitten pictures because it's he's absolutely adorable. It's so cute. Um, But if you guys have any, like, kitty names, let us know because... He doesn't have one yet, and if you haven't seen pictures of him, you should go on our stories because I try and put them up because I'm usually snuggling him when I do research because we're corporal cuddling. And he's such a cute little cuddler. He just lets you work. He does, but he does kind of gas me out. <laughs> his, his little digestive system is still getting used to having a full belly. It It is. So... Quick story on this. So we've had this probably for about the last month, this little itty bitty, I'll say three month old, being generous kitten that's just been sleeping in my dead planners outside on our patio. And I looked outside one night. I had stayed home because I wasn't feeling great. And the dog is absolutely fascinated with this kitten, like, loves the shit out of it. We'll forget to go pee when we take him out <laughs> if he sees this cat. Like, that's how much he loved this kitten and would just drag us over to see it. And so he's just, like, bonking his head against someone. I was like, what the hell are you doing, Alpine? And I walk over there, and there's this little kitty cat that's just, like, he's jammed himself between our slider and the screen door. Mm. And he's just there, like, shivering. <gasps> And it was before we got, like, our first, like, super cold night, which ironically was the very night that I, like, corralled him in, mm-hmm. finally. And so I was like, all right, fuck it, little baby, you're getting caught one way or another in the next hour. And it absolutely loves Minion. And so I put her harness on, like, a kitty trap <laughs> and, like clipped a leash to her because she's stupid and has no idea about the outside and I can't trust her to not just be an idiot out there and it's not like she would know what to do anyway I mean she hasn't been outside since one of her siblings got like murdered oh god um yeah she she was a litter of like four kittens and then there were only three so yeah and she was another feral baby rescue and so I just like opened the the main slider door and had left the the screen door cracked and just had Minion there by the slider and this kitten just kind of strolls in bold as can be 
sniffs around. I'm hiding behind the curtain. <laughs> like, just one hand on the door ready to push it shut once it gets far enough in that I'm not going to, like, smush it. And it totally worked, like, five minutes. Just oh, as okay, Ken's, okay. like, bopping around inside. And I'm just like, fuck it, slam the door. And, of course, it whips around, like, starts ping-ponging against the door, <laughs> which is horrifying. But, yeah, long story short, we, we caught a kitten... It's been taken to the vet, and it had a, a very long two flea baths to get rid of everything, and it doesn't belong to anyone. We had it yeah. checked and everything, and we've asked around, and it's just this little feral baby, and now he needs a name. So yeah. if, again, if our listeners have any have any name suggestions for a little gray kitty that like to sleep in a dead rose bush planter, uh, let me know, because... Right now he's he's just gassy baby. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh oh yeah. And yeah. and he can't he can't be called that, so he needs some name ideas. Yeah. But yeah. Don't let gassy stick. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. No gassy baby. Alright, so what do we got this week? So we have the very ridiculous, deeply entertaining story of Durable Mike Maloney. Uh, sorry, Maloney. Geez, Malloy. Durable Mike Malloy, <laughs> a.k.a. Iron Mike, and the Murder Trust. That's a whole lot to unpack. <laughs> Tis. And I didn't come up with any of these names, so That's even impressive. more to unpack. Okay. Well, let's let's jump into it. Let's do it. Okay, so this is a true story from January 1933 in the Bronx, New York City. Um. So it was I feel like so much so, much. so many more intri- interesting and ridiculous stories happen back then than they do nowadays. Nowadays it's all just sad true crime. But back or, then it was like gangsters and or sad non-crime. Yeah. Trump. Okay, keep right. moving on. Uh, so <laughs> in 1933, the Bronx, New York City, it was right near the end of Prohibition. Uh, Prohibition ended December 1933, so literally later that year. Uh, and it was also in the middle of the Great Depression. Oh, Shit's not going great. Nope. Um, so just a few, well, not really a few, really one metric. About 25% of the U.S. population was currently out of work. At that time. Ouch. Real bad. Uh, So I wrote down, shit wasn't going great at all, and people were desperate to get money however they could. So let's talk about Mike. Michael Malloy was an Irish immigrant from County Donegal. Mike had no friends, no family. He's reported as being between 40 and 60 years of age, it's quite a range. Um, a few of the reports I read said that he looked 60, but he was 50. Like, just a really big age range. Some people just don't age well, okay? It happens. Uh, <laughs> and it's valid. <laughs> it is. Uh, so, supposedly, Mike, of the undeterminable age, worked previously as a firefighter or a stationary engineer. Possibly both. But... As of January 1933, he is unemployed and homeless. Okay. So, he's unemployed, he's homeless, he's living through the Great Depression, and he's living in Prohibition. Mike's one solace and vice was heading around to the speakeasies 
for several surreptitious drinks a night. I mean, Mike, I'm with you. Yep. <laughs> right there. Like, that's a rough set of cards. I would do the same. Also, our first girl's trip needs to include a speakeasy somewhere. Yes. Thousand percent. Uh-huh. I have a few in Seattle we can do if you want. A thousand percent, yes. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. So now we're going to talk about the other group, the Murder Trust. So the Murder Trust is made up of five men. Tony Marino, he is the mastermind behind the Murder Trust. He owns a speakeasy at 3804 3rd Avenue in the Bronx, and he is the one that noticed that Mike was drinking there quite often, most evenings, actually. Then there's Joseph Red Murphy, who is a bartender at the speakeasy. He's just working for Tony Marino. Then there's Francis Pasca. He is an undertaker and a friend of Tony. Hershey Green, who is a cab driver and a friend of Tony. And Daniel Kreisberg, who is a fruit seller and a friend of Tony. Just a random fact. It's a fruit seller. All right. Um, but they form a murder trust. So I assume we're going to get into what the murder trust is. And also, yes. why did they have such better like gang names back then? <laughs> like They were so much more creative. I, you know, I don't know, but they really did. <laughs> oh, so, well, wait, are you thinking like the undertaker and the bartender and all of that was like their names? Like there were gang names? No, 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 no. Okay. Although that would be badass. I mean, I was going to say, I just listed their occupations. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be 100% better if that was actually like their gang names. Code name. No, mastermind. I just meant like their their gang name in general, like yeah, Tony Marino, or like Murder Trust. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, uh, I mean, they maybe should have not, but <laughs> we will get into that immediately. So, okay, they formed the Murder Trust because one night they were all kind of hanging out, and they went, you know, we really could use some money. It's the Great Depression, and we run a speakeasy. We could use some cash. So they came up with the plan, and it was a really simple one. Make money by taking insurance policies out on transient individuals that no one would miss. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad plan, but it's a bad plan. It's a dick move. It is a dick move. And unfortunately for our buddy Mike, he was a really easy target because he was in their speakeasy. Oh, and no. Tony definitely recognized him quite a bit. I and thought he was going to be like part of their gang, not like part I kind of, of phrased their gang. it that way on purpose. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> no, oh, it was so worth it for the reveal. Yeah, I thought he was gonna be like part of the plan not the plan no he is uh the victim in our story and unfortunately he was easy for tony to spot because tony was experienced in this kind of scheme um so he was just pulling a repeat with a few of his buddies so previously tony had murdered a homeless woman i couldn't find a name so we're calling her lydia um he took out an insurance policy on lydia named himself as the beneficiary, then force-fed her alcohol until she passed out. Once she was passed out, 
he proceeded to strip her naked and pour ice water over her nude body and then cracked a window on a cold New York City night and left. Okay, did he read, like, Elizabeth Bathro's diary? Kind of a little bit, probably. Because, <laughs> holy cow. I know. Uh, so, Lydia was dead by morning, and the autopsy showed a diagnosis of bronchial pneumonia, and Tony cashed in for $2,000, which is approximately $40,000 today. Yeah, that's a good chunk of change. And no one asked any questions. As oh. you do. <laughs> So this is kind of how the plans went. Step one, take out insurance policies. Step two, befriend the victim, ply them with free drinks, get them to drink themselves to death, essentially. Hmm. So they're expecting that Mike is just going to drink himself to death. Step three, Joe <laughs> Murphy, the bartender, would identify Mike as his next of kin, Nicholas Mallory, and then collect the cash. So... Essentially, they had taken out three insurance policies um, on Nicholas Mallory, who was a fictitious person, and the insurances. It, wow, the insurances. <laughs> the insurance policies um, had double indemnity, which meant if the death were an accident, the policy payout doubles. Right. Um. So, since they were planning on making it a drinking to death, that would be considered an accident, and. Their total was estimated to be about $3,600, so about $72,000 today. I did a little bit of research. These are rough estimates, but average pay and rent during that time period. So pay would be about $30 a week for wages and then $50 a month for rent. So $3,600 split five ways would go a distance. Yeah, no kidding. So I'm... I'm pretty fuzzy on life insurance policies. Like, is that why I assume you have to have, like, social security numbers and all that nowadays? Now you like, do, yes. Like, back then you just fucking wrote someone's name on a piece of paper and called it good, or what? Well, you have to remember, they had a fictitious person. They very possibly created an identity for him. I don't 100% okay. know, but they very possibly, like, registered and made a okay. fake so person. They literally, like, had all the, the documents, hopefully, to back up this yeah. not real person. Okay. Yeah. So, basically, what they're doing is they're saying, hey, we're going to kill Mike, and we're going <laughs> to then slip an ID onto him because he doesn't have one that says Mike Malloy, one okay. that says Nicholas Mallory. Okay. So... Hmm. It's both identity supplication. It's not fraud because I mean, Mike's not doing it, but identity fraud and life insurance fraud. Yeah. I was going to say, it's definitely identity fraud on their side, but yeah. yeah. Um, so fourth and final step, throw a funeral and bury their, quote, friend um, because Frank Pasca is an undertaker. So <laughs> he made this big old deal. Um, about like, oh, I'm going to write a $400 check for funeral expenses to throw off insurance agents for the future. But really, all that you're looking at is like, hey, he's just paying himself for the future. Yeah. <laughs> Preemptively. Because <laughs> Mike's not dead yet. Um, <laughs> so the actual murder, and this is where it gets nice and silly. <laughs> 
So the trust I've thought... never I've never heard a murder described as silly before, <laughs> so I'm very much looking forward to this. You, you I think you'll agree with me. Uh, so the trust thought that Mike was going to be really easy to kill, right? Because like <laughs> he looked run down. He was an alcoholic. He lived on the streets, all of these things. He looked like an easy target. But Mike didn't get the name Durable Mike and Iron Mike. For no freaking reason. I was going to say, the thing about alcoholics is they tend to have a tolerance. <laughs> he may have been an unhealthy alcoholic that looked next to death, but Mike could freaking drink. Like a fish. Like a flipping <laughs> iron fish. Um, so Mike's tolerance was so unheard of that the closest comparison I could find was like Andre the Giant. Who oh, geez. Okay. famously drank 119 beers in a single session. And Andre even once told Ugh. surgeons that it takes two liters, liters of vodka before he felt warm. God so, damn, Andre. <laughs> so keeping that in mind, Mike, Ooh. similar to Andre. <laughs> All right. That's horrifying, but kudos to you. Yeah, it's just, whoo, whoo boy. Yep. Um, so... Tony kind of thought that, like, the easiest way to kill off Mike, his problem is that he can't afford enough alcohol. So we're just going to take away the breaks. Mm. You get free drinks at the speakeasy. Thought it would go really fast. Just drink himself straight in that one night. (laughs) He was Uh. wrong. (laughs) Oh, honey. So attempt numero uno. Tony and the boys started off, like, just befriending Mike and throwing him whiskey And Mike just kept asking for another round. So after three days straight of drinking, the murder trust kind of figured this isn't working. We're losing money. We need to figure (laughs) out another way. Exactly. (laughs) So attempt number two. They started spiking Mike's drinks. So they would feed him whiskey until he was drunk enough not to notice. And then they would swap it for shots of antifreeze, turpentine, horse liniment with rat poison, or wood alcohol. So just a quick note, wood alcohol was a methanol distilled from wood, Uh and it was so strong that a small amount could cause blindness. Yeah. And, like, horse liniment is nothing nothing to sneeze at either. Not, like, from the alcohol. With rat poison. Like, like the taste of it. Yeah. Uh, So Mike was unfazed. He just kept swigging and asking for another. He was taking shots of this shit. So, Mike. <laughs> Buddy. <laughs> uh, at no point did he be like, why am I getting free alcohol? Apparently not. He did not look a gift horse in the mouth. He just went, thank you. Let's do this. Because, I mean, maybe it's the female in me. Like, if, <laughs> if I'm getting free alcohol, I expect there's... An ulterior motive. Like, there's always a catch. Nope. Never once did Mike look at it. Mike was just like, yeah, free booze. This is great. And just kept going? Yeah. So, all right. So, the trust. I wish I had a man's confidence. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one day, some women, many generations from now, will have the confidence of men. It's not going to be me. Nope. Too much societal systemic oppression. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, All right, Mike. 
So after all of the shots of wood alcohol and turpentine (laughs) and other shit, uh, the trust, like, thought that they had been successful because Fike, Fike, Mike fell (laughs) from his stool to the floor, completely passed out. But then Mike just started to snore. I was going to say, Mike's just taking a nap. That's all he's doing. A few hours later, he was up and asking for another drink. (laughs) Oh, Mike. He just need a little nap nap. (laughs) So, attempt number three. There's so many attempts, Stacia. Oh, God. I mean, that doesn't surprise me, but... (laughs) It does make me laugh. (laughs) The murder trust was like, no, it has to be this one for such a long time. Just, it has to be this one. We've already committed. Uh, So attempt number three. They decided they were going to poison Mike's food on top of just, on top of the alcohol. So they were doing double poisoning. So (laughs) he ate the following things. When one's not enough. (laughs) Oysters that were marinated in methylated alcohol for several days between shots of wood alcohol. So he's just taking a shot of wood alcohol, slurping down an oyster. Shot of wood alcohol, slurping down a poison oyster. I just imagine at this point, Mike's like anything that numbs the pain and sadness. Uh, So the second thing, (laughs) this is so bad. Uh, They gave him a sardine sandwich. Already Ugh. bad by itself. Ugh. Was there anything on it, or was it just sardines and a slice of bread? So it was made with sardines that had been left to rot for several days, Ugh. Oh, broken God, glass, carpet tacks, and sardine tin shavings. The broken glass and sardine tin shavings I only found in one source, but the rotten sardines and carpet tacks, 100% they were in every source. Okay, but why? They're trying to kill him. <laughs> I know, but why would you eat the sandwich? He asked for another one. What is Mike wrong with you, Mike? Asked for another one. Seriously, <laughs> like, Mike, I get it. What were your organs made of? Duct tape? How? Like, I understand it's the Great Depression, but like maybe just uh, I vomit saying it, but eat the bad sardines and the bread. Not like the just, carpet tax and the glass. Just, just pick out the rest. Uh, just nope. Ugh. He just he just swallowed it on freaking down. Just I don't know how he didn't have ten versions of internal bleeding. I don't get it. Um, I mean, maybe he did, and he just didn't care. Maybe, but either I mean, way, it's highly possible that didn't work either. Oh god. Okay. <laughs> Attempt. Numero four. I just imagine at this point they're meeting in some back room, like sweating and just going, all right, this time it has to work. <laughs> so so killing Mikey Boy was getting expensive with him eating and drinking them out of home. So Tony decided to try an old favorite. The trust uh, drove Mike out to Cretona Park, which is about a half mile away from the speakeasy after getting him drunk. And left him on a park bench with his shirt ripped open and five gallons of cold water poured on him. The next day, they fully expected to see a report in the paper of a homeless man freezing to death. And instead, they saw their old friggin' bud Mike at the speakeasy saying he was a little chilly. Well, I imagine (laughs) at this point, his organs are like so pickled with (laughs) 
wood alcohol and preserved that they made Frankenstein's monster yeah, without exactly. dead body parts. Ugh. Mike, buddy, like you need some help. <laughs> it's a it's a problem. He just kept drinking again. So uh attempt number five. <laughs> Hershey Green finally gets on, on this. So that's the cab driver. Um they decide that they're going to run Mike over. So, jeez. Oh, okay. Once again, <laughs> they're escalating. No once subtlety again. left. <laughs> so once again, they drink the night away with Mike. They get him to where he's stumbling about, blind drunk, and they stumble him out to the middle of a road where Hershey is waiting. But as the headlights are accelerating towards Mike, even in a dead drunk stupor, Mike dodged. Attaboy. Twice. Oh, damn. a <laughs> boy for sure. <laughs> Unfortunately, Hershey took three passes at him and did hit him on the third pass. And after hitting him once, he backed over him. Oh, dick move, Hershey. Dick move. Mike is fighting so hard, man. Can't you just let Mike, it be? The dude already ate carpet tacks and rotting sardines. Just let him have this one, okay? Right. Uh, so after backing over him, they left him in the middle of the street for dead because a passerby, like, startled them a little bit, so they ran. Um, oh, okay. But a week goes by where they haven't seen Mike, and they're starting to look for, like, Nicholas Mallory because they had left the ID and everything. So they're, like, kind of calling hospitals, calling morgues, being like, where is he? There, There's nothing in the papers. There's nothing. Um, a few more days pass. And Mike limps his freaking way back into the speakeasy with no memory that his friends had tried to murder him, a fractured skull, and a broken shoulder, and asks for another drink. So are they regretting their free alcohol choice at this point? Attempt number six. So it's February 1933. This is all within the one month thus far. Oh, shit. Um, okay. I yeah. thought this was spread out over a couple, not... No, no. That's all in okay. one month. Wow, they were really determined to kill this guy. <laughs> well, they didn't want to pay the February premium. Oh, okay. That makes sense. But now February's rolled around. The premiums are due. That shit's expensive. Uh, and the trust is seriously considering hiring a professional hitman, but they decide that's too expensive because they've already spent so much money... Letting Mike drink for free. <laughs> I was going to say, they've already given him how many free drinks, and especially during Prohibition, it's not like that was cheap to They even make. swapped out a bunch for, like, all of the shit, yeah. but that only hedged their costs. Like, they were first getting him drunk on whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they were so worried about cost that very briefly... They gave up on killing Mike and instead tried to kill another transient alcoholic that they knew of to cash in on, but that person also survived. Oh, no. So, tired and frustrated, they went back to Mike to try and kill him one last time. So, I'm getting the hint that they're not very good at this. I mean, by all accounts, everything they've tried should have killed someone. I think that Mike just had the soul of an angel or something, or maybe the devil had gotten in him and it was just fucking around with the murder trust. I don't know, but... I'm just saying, for a group called the murder trusts, they're really not good at murder. <laughs> they're not good at murder. <laughs> um, 
So, one last try. They get him drunk to passing out. Then, after he was passed out, they hauled him to the apartment above the speakeasy that Tony owned and lived in. And they they were damned and determined to get it done. Uh, so, they took the rubber tube from the gas lamp and they put it into Mike's mouth and held a <laughs> towel over Mike's face and smothered him Um while he inhaled pure carbon monoxide while in a drug. Okay. I know they were trying to murder him, but that is straight out murder. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like Holy there cow. is there is no way you're passing that off as an accident. There is no fucking way. So what they did instead, because Mike unfortunately was now dead after all of his freaking heroic attempts at staying alive. I was gonna say, if he failed that many times, let the poor bastard live. Yeah, right? Just like, leave him alone. It's not meant to be. It's, yeah, but fortunately he did pass away um, and it, Mike. the murder trust knowing that there was no way they were gonna pass this off as an actual accident No, paid not off. a chance in hell. <laughs> Paid off a friend of Pasca's to forge a death certificate for Nicholas Mallory and went to collect the health insurance, the health insurance, the life insurance money. Um, Fortunately for them, they threw up a bunch of red flags. Gee, you think? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) What was the first indication? (laughs) Uh, So when they went to collect the insurance claims, the insurance agents asked some reasonable questions, as insurance agents are wont to do. They wanted to see the body to verify the claims. But Pasca and his friends had already buried the body and told them as much. Unfortunately, this throws up a big old massive red flag for the insurance company. Well... Fortunately, yeah. unfortunately, um, but they were skeeved out enough by these people and their claims and the cheap burial and everything. Because you remember that Frank had written that fancy four hundred dollar thing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he is the undertaker, and they can then pull the records from his undertaking business to see what he buried him in, and he buried him in a ten dollar coffin. Uh. So check mean jack shit. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the insurance agency called the authorities, and Mike's body was exhumed May of 1933, and an autopsy was performed. Yeah. I was going to say, that's pretty much immediate grounds for an exhumation. It really is. So Hershey Green, the cab driver that ran him over three times and then backed (laughs) over him, uh, wasn't happy with the payout he got. So the moment that they had even a whiff of being caught, he started singing like a friggin', friggin prima Madonna. Prima Madonna. Prima Madonna. Uh, <laughs> not only did he tell the cops about Mike, he also ratted Tony out for Lydia. So justice for Lydia! Nice. Yeah. So the entire murder trust were tried at the Bronx County Courthouse where they tried to plead insanity. Shocker, that didn't work. Yeah, no. Doesn't hold much water there. So then then they started getting into infighting and finger-pointing because you had too many people in the murder trust. You can't have five people in the murder trust. Yeah. You just can't. It's that old, you know, two of us can keep a secret if one of us is dead. Yeah. 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 Um, so they started pointing fingers all around, 
none of their drama worked on the judges whatsoever. So Tony Marino, Frank Pasca, Daniel Kreisberg, who played a surprisingly small role in this entire story. <laughs> uh, if only he hadn't known about it, he would have been okay. And, but them and then Joseph Murphy were all sentenced to death by electric chair and they were oh. executed the summer of 1934 in, quote, Old Sparky, Morbid, mm. which was the electric chair at Sing Sing Prison. So, mini spoiler, okay. one of the the stories that I'm doing a deep dive on, like, mm, the guy behind it is pretty much doing everything he can to avoid that exact situation. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, he's avoiding extradition and everything. Well, he should have taken some tips from Hershey Green because Hershey <sighs> and his singing ways got him out of the death sentence. So mm. he mm-hmm. was only sent to prison. Yeah. It's amazing how much people are willing to to throw their, their cohorts under the bus or the proverbial bus yep. to avoid the chair. Frankly... Avoid death. Don't yeah. murder. Don't die. Yeah, Good choices. It's, it's real simple. You know, the things that you have to do to avoid ending up in the electric chair. Well, I mean, thank goodness I don't think the electric chair is a thing anywhere anymore. But, oh, am I wrong? I hope there's no electric chair anymore. I don't, it was horrific. I don't think so. I think it's all lethal injection now. Uh, I haven't decided how I feel about that yet, but at least it's not electric chair. Um, yeah. But do you want a fun fact before we get into palate cleansers? Yeah, 100%. So, fun fact, not only was Mike Malloy a massively durable dude living up to his name, <laughs> his murder was also one of the first to be investigated by the New York City Medical Examiner's Office. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I thought that was pretty nifty. Also, I'm I'm really kind of sad that Mike had such a, a anticlimactic end. I know. I like I was... he was such a freaking boss for so long. Just like, like I will not die. <laughs> At that point, like I think if you're gonna die, it should be like trampled by elephants in the middle of a parade while you're <laughs> chugging bootleg liquor. Like, <laughs> well, got it has to be something part, truly, right? truly ridiculous because he deserved that if he was gonna die. Yeah. Like, he deserved better out. than carbon monoxide poisoning yeah. above a bar. Yeah, something really impressive, not just sad. To be fair, he did defy death five times. He did, and he ran up, I imagine, one hell of a bar tab. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you find out how much no. all of that was? Oh. I wish I had, but I could not find it. Um, I couldn't find it. I wish I could. Because like, I just imagine at that time... So expensive. So expensive, but also so risky because the people who are brewing this or, you know, distilling this bootleg liquor, like, that wasn't a cheap or easy thing to do. So you paid a pretty penny for it. Yeah, like, you can't get refills. Like, you can't restock. Yeah. And Mike's just there just drinking it down. (laughs) Like Like it's water. Yeah, like a frat boy at a party. <laughs> Not that I blame him, Mike. I understand it was a Great Depression. You do what you gotta do, boo. But yeah, huh? So yeah, yeah. I'm just 
I'm mostly sad that Mike had such a anticlimactic end. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's sad to say I wish it was something more showy, but he deserved better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but do right, you agree kind of... that silly was the correct moniker for it? It is. I mean, it was it was pretty impressive through and through. <laughs> I was not expecting I was expecting, I don't know, maybe like three attempts before they were successful <laughs> and it just kept going. It just kept and, going. And I like I said, I can only imagine they were meeting in some back room and be like, damn it, how do we kill this guy? Yep. Like nothing has worked so far. Something has to. It almost plays like a Wiley e. Coyote episode. Yeah, exactly. Like, like Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing we always. What do you want to do tonight, Brain? Try Same to thing kill we always do Mike. Pinky. <laughs> How the hell are we gonna kill this guy? Oh yes. Like I just, I, had fun I really. With this one. I want to know how much money they wasted between like alcohol and premiums before I would, they finally got him. I would bet that it was not like much of a gain. <laughs> there no, was not much it of a gain have there. Uh, <sighs> that was so, good though. Do you want some puns? I do. I always want puns. So what did Mike? I made this one up. What did Mike Malloy say to the murder trust as he left the bar? I'll see you tomorrow. Alcohol you later. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mike. What should you order if you want a small drink? I don't know. A martini. Ah, that's cute. Uh, do you know why dogs aren't allowed in bars? No. They can't hold their liquor. <laughs> Tongue. You're not wrong. <laughs> also, did you see that there's, like, cat wine? I saw. <laughs> it makes me laugh. You can get some for your kitties. I haven't given the kitten catnip, but I feel like it'll oh, be hilarious. Send a video of that when you do. <laughs> uh, I will. Okay. So, what did the bee say to the bartender? I'm buzzed. I'm getting really buzzed. <laughs> I was close. <laughs> I mean, you said the same thing. I just have specific deliveries in my mind when yeah. I find some of these. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Do you know what a ghost like to drink? Spirits. They're not picky. Anything with booze. Uh-huh. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, last one. Uh, why does going out in the cold kill your buzz? I mean, for me, I'm too busy shivering, but... <laughs> because it makes you so burr. Yeah, I, <laughs> it is accurate. Also, I'm sad it's cold weather time. I mean, I'm happy it's cold weather time. I mean, I like fall, but I don't like winter, and... Mm. it's the time of just remember it's the time of hot toddies and the time of mulled wine and the time of hot chocolate and tea tea is your yeah. round, but really more tea but it's also the days slash nights of it being like 30 degrees when i go out after work and ugh, i don't like cold jacket it's true i do have a heated <laughs> jacket and a heated vest i need a heated but vest I, it's lovely. I highly recommend it. I just, 
I love the idea of like getting to look at the cold weather and the snow <laughs> outside, but the second I have to go out in it, I'm like, fuck this shit. I'm done. You just want to look out the window like it's a Thomas Kirkland painting. Yeah, I just want to appreciate it and not have to interact with it. I am not a snow bunny ever. That's fair. I would you might be, be in like, the wrong line of work and hobby with horsems. Mm, I was going to say, not the line of work because well, it I, is what it is. You just have to go in and out, whereas I get to stay at home constantly. Yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> yeah, but... Only yeah, reason the... I have to exit this house is for groceries and to walk Coda. Yeah, but I get the added bonus with the horses. Once I put the blanket on Forrest, oh. I can shove my hands underneath it and, like, steal his body heat. And they're oh, getting fuzzy. Fuzz, and fuzz, fuzz. fuzzy horses are adorable. They, they are. get, like, shaggy, and some of them get these little mustaches. <gasps> and it's so cute. <laughs> I love it. Uh, anywho. <laughs> after our cold weather ramble uh, I think that's all for this week yeah that's all Yeah. thanks for listening and check back next Sunday for another episode if you need some extra spookums check out our mini stories at waittopanic.com and as always if you have a story to share send us an email at waittopanicpodcast at gmail.com make good choices and remember wait, wait to, to panic, panic.